welcome to this episode of Little Dude's Insect Academy, where we discover more about the extremely diverse world of entomology with your host, Braden Coy. Did you know that honeybees, also known as apidae, are one of the only animals that make their own food source? Stay tuned to discover how these amazingly sophisticated social animals do it. So this episode might be a little longer than usual just because of the sheer amount of material we will be walking through, but also it will be a little bit more candid and I will definitely not hang on to my notes as hard as I usually do. Uh, so it might just be a little bit more organic and that way it'll sound a little bit more, less less robotic and more organic if you get what I'm saying. So I'm just going to start by talking about uh, the, the basic things about honeybees, and honeybees in particular. There are many different kinds of bees, and actually there are many different kinds of honeybees also, if you didn't already know that. And I'm just going to talk about the basic honeybee, and, that, and their scientific name is Hit. Apidae, and I've talked about scientific names in the past. Um, there's going to be other different kinds of honeybees, and that's going to be a second name. So, like Apidae, something I don't remember what the second name for some of, some of them are, but that's the scientific name for them. And so, there are many different species of honeybees, and there are a ton of different species of bees, it's like uh, the carpenter bee, the mason bee, stuff like that. And not all of them pollinate, but most of them do. And I'll talk more about what that means. Uh, later in this episode. So we're going to be talking about honeybees. And something about honeybees is that they actually live in a hive. They're like a big, huge family. They're more like actually a big kingdom. And they all work for each other. And they also work for the queen, who is the mother. So I'm going to talk about the hierarchy of the hive, because it's kind of like a big society, a big city, a kingdom. And so first, we're going to talk about the workers. The worker bees are the female bees. And the worker bees are actually, uh, they can't reproduce. They can't give birth to more offspring bees. They just work to protect the hive. They go out and collect pollen. They go out and, yeah, they protect the hive. They rear the young. They build the hive. They do all of that. And so then next there is the queen. And the queen actually gives birth to all of the workers and she is what all the workers work for work towards so they work to protect her they work to protect the hive the queen um, is basically the leader of the hive and so she gives birth to all 10,000 to 50,000 bees that are in the hive at one time so even more because over time she gives birth to more and more and more and so she is the big head honcho of the hive and she gives birth she um the the workers feed her and then the third uh, member of the hive is something that a people a lot of people didn't actually know about and I didn't know about until recently and they are the male bees they are called drones and they're basically they look a little bit like worker bees but they have a little bit bigger of a head and really big eyes now that's because their mouth part aren't so big because they're not really collecting pollen to make honey and so they actually basically a lot of people don't like drones, especially if you're a beekeeper, because they just eat food and do nothing. Um, eventually, the drone will mate with a female, a female future queen, and she will, and then uh, 
the drone will just die. So they're just male bees that grow in the hive, and then it basically, most bee if most beekeepers see them, they just squish them because they're a waste of resources. They're just a waste of time. And so that's the third member, the drone. So there's also something called brood, and the brood are the larvae. So they're the baby bees that grow in the little cells of the honeycomb. And so I'm going to also discuss about how the workers make their honey. And so like I mentioned earlier, bee honeybees are one of the only animals other than us, of course, that make their own food. And so, yeah, so honeybees make honey and we also eat honey if you've ever had honey of course you've had honey everybody's had honey honey is amazing it's like a natural sugar and it's one of the most delicious things especially if you get raw local natural honey that stuff is so good it comes in all different colors and uh viscosities Visc uh, viscosity means the thickness like the how uh hard it pours and all that stuff and so i'm gonna talk about how they make their honey. And so I'm going to just get some vocabulary out of the way. First of all, there's propolis. And propolis is actually the chem the kind of chemical compound that the bees make to make their nests, their hives, and the honeycomb. It's kind of this waxy kind of thing that I'm sure you might have even a you might even have a body scrub made out of this. We call it beeswax. But um, the scientific term is called propolis. The honeycomb is where another thing is the honeycomb, and that's where the brood incubate. That is where the uh, the honey is made, and that's where the pollen is stored. That's where the eggs are laid. It's very important. It's basically the inside of the hive is made out of honeycomb. There's also capped honey. We call something called capped honey. Basically, what the bees do is they fill up a cell with honey, and then they cap it off with that propolis wax, and um, that's capped honey. It's preserved, and something interesting is that if you collect capped honey, as a human, if you collect capped honey, and then you put it in a perfectly sealed jar, it will keep for about 500 years, so it is insane that it's that fresh and that preserved naturally so that's really amazing also pollen is the um, thing that bees make into honey so pollen is what they collect from flowers there's also nectar which is inside of the flower and pollen also um, another term is pollination and so not just honeybees do this many different flying animals do this like bats do it honey um hummingbirds do it but honeybees collect the pollen and they add it to their honey um, and pollen uh, they put it on their legs when they're collecting it from a flower. And as they fly around, that pollen spreads in the air and it plants new flowers. So it's kind of a way to fertilize more flowers. And so the, the bees also use that pollen. They're collecting it to use in honey as long with the nectar. And the nectar is what's in the inside of the flower. It's kind of the blood of the flower. So next I'm going to talk about kind of what we do with bees. Us humans actually keep bees, and that's where you get your honey that you buy at the grocery store. And um, I'm going to talk about how humans set up the hive. So in nature, in nature, bees actually build their own hive out of scratch. They build it out of that propolis, and sometimes they even build it inside of trees. 
and these hives get super big, right? And bears will like to break them open and eat the honey, as you've seen in many movies and books and stuff like that. And so I want to talk about how we set up the hive. How we set up the hive is we actually, there's actually two different kinds of hives we use as humans to harvest honey and to keep bees. Beekeepers make, beekeepers uh, like distribute the honey that you buy, right? And they keep the bees that then make the honey. And so when you're buying honey, it's actually made by the bees. So thanks to them, they're really amazing. And bees are really hard workers. So the two kinds of hives we use are called the Langstroth hive and the top bar tri- the bo- the top bar hive and they're two different kind of kinds the most popular one is the langstroth and when you think of a beehive a wooden beehive that's what you're going to think of it's the most it's the most popular one it's kind of these boxes stacked on top of each other there's a hole somewhere where the bees can enter and exit from usually two holes actually there's some th- um, deeper boxes and some thinner boxes. The thinner boxes are called honey supers, and that's where we humans harvest our honey from. And the brood boxes or hive body boxes, there's many different names, is where they grow their eggs, that's where the queen lives, and that's where they grow their brood and stuff. And that we don't mess with. We don't, we don't harvest anything from there. And so basically the setup is and then there's a top bar hive and basically a top bar hive is like it looks like a big it kind of looks like a horse trough and then basically the bees just naturally make their honeycomb in there and that's not a super popular way of um harvesting honey because it's a little bit more work to harvest the honey from those and so most people use the Langstroth hive um the top bar hive is kind of good for maybe um people that want to observe the bees more than harvest them harvest the honey so the Langstroth hive is the most popular one because you can actually harvest the honey pretty easily from it and so basically the setup is there's a bottom board which is kind of the stand for the hive and then you put those boxes on top usually the brood box or the hive body goes on the bottom of the setup and then inside of each of those boxes there's a bunch of frames and that's where the bees actually build their comb and so basically when you harvest is you take out those frames and and then you process them, right? So so basically there's either eight or ten frames, depending on the size of hive you have. There's two different sizes of hives, ten frame and eight frame. Ten frame are becoming more popular, but eight frame are really the most popular, at least from what I've seen. It really depends on where you live also. If, you're, if you really don't have long winters, or like you're in Australia and there really is no winter, you usually use an eight frame. But in uh, the U.S., a lot of people like to use the ten frame just so that the bees have more uh, surface area to grow in and they have more resources, right? So you pull out those frames and you can process them. And I'll talk about that in a minute. But basically you do a brood box or maybe two. And then on top of there is a honey super, which is just a shorter version of that box. And the frames are a little smaller. And that's where we um, harvest our honey from. And in between 
in between the brood box and the honey super is something called a queen excluder and that's kind of a mesh material that keeps the because the queen is a lot bigger than the workers the workers can get through that mesh but the queen can't and that's because you don't really want the queen going up into your honey and laying eggs in your honey cells because that section is kind of for us to harvest and we don't really want the queen up there laying eggs in our honey and so we put a queen excluder in between the supers the honey supers and the brood boxes and so you can put as many honey supers as you want but you definitely want to leave lots of materials and resources and honey for the bees for the winter a lot of beehives die during the winter just because of how cold it is and also because our man-made wood boxes aren't exactly the way they are in the wild and so it's hard to replicate that and make them be able to stay through the winter a lot of people actually wrap their hives in like an insulation wrap to keep them warm throughout the winter but a lot of times the bees actually die and so We've actually figured out a way to make sure that they don't, but sometimes they just die because it gets too cold, or maybe they don't have enough resources, or maybe they were kind of sick to begin with. And so that's kind of our setup of the hive. Above the honey supers, of course, you put a top lid that keeps it away from the elements, like when it rains, there won't get rain in the hive, stuff like that. So it's like a big house for your bees. And so now I'm going to talk about how the honey is harvested by us. So I talked about those frames earlier where the comb is. And basically you take those frames out of your, out of your honey super. And of course you want to leave some for the bees. And you take those frames and most people actually use kind of a scraping tool or maybe a hot heated knife. And they scrape off the caps, like I talked about earlier. The capped honey is where all the good honey is, right? So they scrape off the caps to break the seal. And then they put it in something called a centrifugal extractor. And that is basically a big barrel with a frame in the inside where you put a rack on the inside where you put your frames. And it basically spins them super, super fast. And it flings the honey into the inside of the of the big barrel and then it, and then the honey just um, runs down to the bottom where there's then a spigot and then you fill up your jars and so that's kind of how we harvest you put them in that rack um, extractor thing and you spin it really fast either there's a crank or it's an electric uh, 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 spinner basically and it flings all the honey to the side and then it goes down to the bottom where there's a spigot so that's kind of how we harvest it and then of course what we do with those, so it takes all the honey out of the frames, but then you still have honeycomb in there. So a lot of people actually harvest the honeycomb and then use it in like soaps and scrubs and stuff like that. But um, a lot of people, most people actually put the honey super with the comb uh, back into the hive. And then what the bees do, the bees just know to do this. It's just amazing. They just see that empty comb they clean it out. They eat all the honey out, all the leftover honey, and they rebuild the comb and then they repurpose it to make more honey and put more honey in it. So it's really amazing that they just know to just, okay, it's time to clean out these, these, uh, these, this comb because it's all empty and we gotta, we gotta make room for more honey, right? So it's amazing that they just know to clean out the comb and all that. And so now I'm just gonna talk about my 
kind of my personal experiences with honeybees. Uh, I think two years back, I got a hive from a friend of mine. He wanted to have bees in my area, and so he put a hive on my property, and I kind of got to harvest it with him. It wasn't really my hive because I didn't buy it. It wasn't my queen or anything like that. But I had a hive on my property for a little bit, and that was really cool to see. And he he harvested on my property and stuff like that. It was really cool. But basically how, how – um, uh, last year I was planning on buying my own hive and doing my own hive on my property, but I just didn't get around to it. So this this spring I'm actually planning on putting my own hive on my property. With my own money, it'll be actually my own hive. And I'm really excited for that. Um, who knows how it'll turn out because a lot of people on their first, uh, their first season doesn't go so well. They usually don't even get honey on their first season. I'm not really expecting to get, to get honey yet, but I'm excited about it and I'm going to share my experiences with you guys along the way. So keep waiting out for those, I guess, future beekeeping kind of episodes that I'm going to be talking about. So I guess this is just a species spotlight, I guess, for honeybees. And I just wanted to talk about how their hives work. Uh, I think it's super fascinating. There's actually a, a bunch more cool information. And so I actually have a blog post about honeybees. And I talk about a little bit what I talked about uh, in this episode, but there's a lot more information like how a queen is made. I didn't talk about that, but I talk about it on my blog post and you can check that out at boylovesbugs, all one word, dot com. Again, boylovesbugs.com and there's my blog post. It's a three-part series blog post and it has a ton of information, more vocabulary that you might want to know, a good diagram of what the hive actually looks like. It's super cool. There's a ton of information about stuff I didn't talk about today. And yeah, it's actually super, you can look up, you can look up on YouTube, people harvesting honey and like uncapping the frames. It's super satisfying because they uncap it with like a hot knife and then the honey just starts flowing down. It's so satisfying. And so actually we're going to go into a time of FAQ. So actually on my Instagram the other day, I asked if you guys have any questions and for an FAQ section of an episode and this is going to be that time. So I have three questions that I'm going to answer. The first one is, what got you into doing podcasts and what inspired you? Well, that's a really good question. Thank you for asking that. It was on my Instagram. Again, you can go over there and answer questions uh, and ask questions in the future. I'm going to do more of this. This is super cool. But the question was, what got you into doing podcasts and what inspired you? Well, I've talked about this a little bit in the past, especially on my fir- my very first episode of this podcast. I really uh, love teaching people about bugs and so and about my passion for nature and wildlife and all that kind of stuff and bugs in particular. And so I wanted to reach more people with my, I guess, knowledge of these animals. And so I wanted to share this in a digital way and so anybody all around the world could learn about bugs and so I thought man either I could do a YouTube channel which is definitely going to be a lot more expensive and time consuming or I could do a podcast and so I've been making this podcast for you guys or anybody really that looks this up 
and you guys can learn about bugs on this podcast. And so that's really what inspired me. What inspired me was my students. I teach these bug classes. I really love to teach about bugs, just really to anybody. And I got inspired by my students and my passion for sharing my passion, I guess, with other people all around the world. So I really wanted to reach more people with this podcast. So I decided with my knowledge. And so I just decided to make a podcast. And so that's really the answer to that question. Thank you for that question again. The next question is, how are snails born? Well, that's a really good question, actually, because I didn't really know this. I kind of had to Google it, honestly. So snails are born kind of just like any other insect is they are eggs so the mother lays and lays eggs and then they hatch but something about interesting about snails is they hatch um kind of they look they look kind of like a mini version of what they would eventually so they have these tiny tiny shells yes they come out of the egg with shells but something about these shells is that these shells are kind of see-through they're almost jelly-like and so the snail hatches out of its sh- out of its egg and it has the shell on its back but the shell doesn't protect them really it's like a jelly it's like a jelly kind of soft skin membrane thing and so then the snail actually eats the egg it eats the eggshell of the egg they just hatched out of to get that calcium because there's calcium in the egg and you need calcium to grow those bones. Well, not a bone, but a shell. And so they eat their their old their old uh, eggshell to grow the hardness of their shell and so to protect them in, from future predators and stuff like that. And so I thought that was really cool. The next question is, do all bugs lay eggs? And well, that's kind of a answer to my last question is uh, my last question was how are snails born well they're born through eggs but then the next question is do all bugs lay eggs and so something interesting is that yes most bugs lay eggs but um, there are a couple um, to name one is the aphid. The aphid is actually born live, which is really interesting. And so like a human, the egg incubates inside of the mother and then it gives live birth. So an aphid actually does not lay eggs. So that's really interesting. And a couple other bugs don't lay eggs either. But there's also something that they that some bugs do like praying mantis, spiders do that. It's called, they lay an egg sac. And an egg sac is like a big, kind of a bag that they lay their eggs into. And then all of the animals in there hatch at once. So like an egg sac, a a spider egg sac, if you've seen it in your yard, there's that egg sac, which is actually pretty big, but it has hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of eggs in there, tiny eggs, and they all hatch at once. So that's kind of a big, huge egg. And so they kind of they kind of don't lay eggs, but they lay the eggs inside of a protective casing. Same with the praying mantis. So yeah, if you that's the end of this episode. There was a ton of information. And so if you enjoyed this episode, definitely go check out that blog post that I mentioned earlier. More details about um, bees and stuff. And you can also learn more about bees on my Facebook page also. You can ask questions on my Instagram, just like this FAQ section that we had. And also you can go, yeah, so just go check out my blog, learn more about bees. Another great resource for bees is... 
just going on YouTube, you can learn a ton about bees and bugs in general on YouTube. And so that's what I do a lot. So yeah, uh, go check out my first episode where I kind of introduced myself and all that and just watch from the beginning. So I really enjoyed making this episode. I hope you guys enjoyed listening to it. Thanks. Bye. If you enjoyed this episode of Little Dudes Insect Academy, then consider subscribing to my channel and sharing this episode with one of your friends. You can even support me financially through my Patreon, which has a link in the description. Thanks for listening, and as always, keep on bugging.